who is in charge? I heard this request at a local store. An angry customer wanted to talk to the manager. Something was not working out his way. This is Wednesday, October 11th, and I think all of us know how this works. There seems to be a pecking order to everything. Here's a description of the way hens jockey for position in a hen house. The head hen is at the top of the pecking order. This is the dominant hen in the flock. The head hen is not only the boss, but she's also responsible for the safety of the flock, finding food for the flock, and keeping order within the flock. She must enforce her position to prevent fights from breaking out among amongst the other hens within the flock. If the head hen is at the top position in the flock, the rest fall into order below her. Each hen establishes their place in the pecking order, often at incremental and subtle levels. You get the idea. Now you can guess what happens when a rooster shows up. (laughs) Yep, you got it. He goes to the head of the pecking order. I'm not making this up. It's the way it works. But the hens still keep order among themselves. Now, we have co-opted many of these concepts also for human beings. I want to get to our text for today so that we can see how the gospel changes what we think of human order in the community. This is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 25. Wives, submit to your own husbands, as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now we hear that word submission and we think pecking order. The rooster shows up, right? And we know who's in charge. But there is a surprise in the gospel. Women are told to submit to their husbands as to the Lord. If she submitted to her husband as she did to Jesus, she'd have two lords. Already Jesus is her Lord. What would she do when her husband disagreed with the words of the Lord Jesus? She'd be in conflict. Christian wives have only one Lord. And it is not her husband. And Jesus does not give up his place to her husband. So how does she work this out? I think Paul tells us elsewhere in a similar text from Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. He says, Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. It means that now that you are in Christ, you would respond to your husband in a love that you would to the Lord. Indeed, as you do with the Lord. Here is the wife's part in the mutual submission we were talking about yesterday that she and her husband have to each other as they show reverence to Christ. Yes, the way Jesus extends his gospel that is seen in marriage is in willing subjection. It's not forced. It's not obedience, but the willing response of love. By the way, the word authority is never used in Scripture in relation to marriage for believers. It is as she loves the Lord freely because of what Jesus has done for her that she loves her husband. It is what you might call transference, but a good one. She loves the Lord Jesus, 
And so she directs this love also to her husband. This is how Paul can call wives to submission. It's a willing subjection. The proper response to the servant love of Jesus is a corresponding servant love. But now this servant love is directed toward her husband. Of course, this is not easy. Jesus is perfect and always faithful Savior and the lover of our souls, her soul. Her husband is fallible and imperfect. Jesus never fails. Her husband has and will fail in many ways. This is why we must keep Jesus in the picture. Her heart must remain at the heart of her calling in marriage. Why so? She needs the forgiving and ever-faithful love of Jesus to respond to her husband in this way. And Jesus is how she can love him when he fails, when he falls. This is how she fulfills her calling in her marriage. Now, I want to go back to the rooster in the hymns. Since Jesus is Lord of all, we need to remember that he is nothing like the rooster. It's true, he is King of kings and Lord of lords, but he comes among us as one who serves. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It is the spirit of who Jesus is that transforms and informs marriage to reflect God's original intention for marriage for the woman and the man. As we are looking at today, the woman lives out of the very calling of Jesus himself. Though the Son is not subordinate to the Father, yet Jesus willingly submitted himself to the Father. Yes, the members of the Trinity submit to one another, even as husbands and wives are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Indeed, it was in this submission of the Son to the Father that sent Jesus to the cross and saved us. You see, this makes the whole notion of submission that the wife is called to a sacred calling and a source of great beauty. She is showing forth Jesus himself and the glory of his love. Of course, applying this is a challenge given our sinfulness, but even then the calling of marriage is more than aspirational. It is literal and purposeful, as we shall repeatedly see going forward this week. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we find it easy and natural to love ourselves. Jesus shows us another way, the way of loving sacrifice. Teach us your ways, O Lord. And also we pray for our Granada married couples. Let their life together show us the love of Jesus. For in his name we pray.